Every calendar quarter, March, June, September, December, long about the penultimate Wednesday, we've been playing the Market Cap Game Show. Our format is simple. Two guest star contestants giving their best guesses at the market cap, the overall value of some of the best known or most interesting stocks on the market, Alphabet, Costco, Etsy, with you playing along and learning at home. Yeah, every calendar quarter's penultimate Wednesday, which means this Wednesday, which means now. The 11th installment of the Market Cap Game Show this week on Rule Breaker Investing. This episode of Rule Breaker Investing is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. For 10% off your first air purifier, visit M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com and enter the promo code FOOL10 at checkout. Molecule.com, promo code FOOL10. And thanks to Indeed for supporting the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast. Are you hiring? With Indeed, you can post a job in minutes, set up screener questions, and then zero in on your short list of qualified candidates using an online dashboard. Get started today at Indeed.com slash Motley. That's Indeed.com slash Motley. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. Welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. What a delight it is to have you with us this week. And I say us because, of course, it is the Market Cap Game Show. And I'm joined by two of my favorite fools this week. One of them, I think it's fair to say, maybe the returning champion of the show. So I think it's appropriate that we would have Aaron Bush come back and join us. And the other, a new challenger, even though I've worked with Andy Cross, our chief investment officer, for more than 20 years. Andy, this is your debut on this game show. And I'm really delighted to welcome both of you guys. In fact, say hi. Thank you, David. Hello. I didn't know that Aaron was the reigning champion and I was going against a ringer here. So this is a little intimidating, David, when it comes to the market cap game show, I have to say. <laughs> so so here's my thinking. I used to compete pretty heavily in Taekwondo when I was a kid. When we would go to tournaments and they would sort us into different groups, different brackets for tournaments, my coach always had one rule. You always fight up. And so I figured, what better way to fight up than to challenge our chief investment officer? So I'm excited. Thank you, Eddie. Aaron, when you say Taekwondo, you're not really installing a lot of confidence in me to be able to compete. I just have to say, you're not, you're not really helping the cause. I appreciate the whole talking up. Taekwondo is a little scary, and yeah, you're you're clearly one of the smartest analysts I know. So it's it's a it's a it's a real treat to be able to to join. And and thank you, David, for having us. And and Aaron, it's a it's an it's an honor to compete against you. You bet. Well, I will just mention that Andy is is has been at various points in his past a near scratch golfer. So you both have some athletic exploits that exceed my own. I'm delighted to have you both, but you're not here because you're athletes. You're closer to mathletes this week because, of course, we're playing the market cap game show. I'll give the rules for new listeners in a little bit, but I think it's probably most appropriate since I have both of you with me this week to talk a little bit about the stock market and its volatility before getting into the game. Now, even playing the game with the stock market typically going up or down 5 or 10% a day over the last week and a half, even playing this game, the numbers may have all changed by the time our listeners hear this, whether it's on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or this weekend. So um, a disclaimer up front, dear listeners, these numbers are changing sometimes radically, but we have it locked in 2.45 p.m., 
Tuesday afternoon. Those are the market caps that we are using. Now, I want to go to you first, Andy. Andy is our chief investment officer. You've done just a great job over the last week or so. There have been a lot of live chats. I know you've participated, answered innumerable questions from our members. And I, I really want to call out my brother, Tom Gardner, and the rest of our team for over-the-top great efforts to reach out and speak directly to members, people who are listening this week, who really want to hear what The Motley Fool thinks about this market. Andy, as we're a Motley Fool, I know each of us may have a different viewpoint. That's part of the beauty of The Motley Fool. But what are a couple of the cardinal points that you've been stating or emphasizing over the past few days for our members? Well, thanks, David. And and yes, it's, it's a it's a a very tiring, I think, time for so many people, whether you've been through this be somewhat before in, in prior markets that have gone into the bear market, which is down more than 20% from its highs. And that's happened extremely fast in less than almost about two weeks this year. So it's been very rapid and very severe. So I think whether you've been through some bear market before or you're a first-time investor who bought your first rule breaker stock a month ago, you you are likely feeling it. So um, I, for me, it was really about empathy. It's really about letting our members and our listeners know that we're fellow investors and we feel this with you. Many of us own our own recommendations, whether in rule breakers or uh, other services. So so we feel it too, and we're right there with you. And, and really emphasizing that um, as bad as this is, it, it will at some point, um, with the right precautions on the health side, the financial side, we're seeing a lot of action this week, it will pass eventually and, and still really staying investing uh, for the long term, which is just something we've emphasized for 25 years with you and Tom starting. And it's just one that we can never forget. I'm really glad you led with empathy because it really is true. I hope it comes across cleanly and clearly this week as we play a game show that we're feeling it as, as much as anybody else. I'm sure we're going to have some laughs in the hour ahead as we think about some of the market caps of these companies and where they were just a month ago. But every one of us uh, participating in this podcast is fully invested in the market. So in good times and in bad, and they they both show up over the course of your lifetime as an investor. And of course, beyond mere investing, a lot of the questions that many of us have today, sometimes losing sleep over them, are things about human life, not so much about our portfolio. So we're very cognizant, of course, of where investing fits within the overall scheme. It's definitely a click or two down from some more important questions that a lot of us are trying to answer. Um, so thank you for that, Andy. And Aaron, I want to turn to you because you're on the other side of 40 now. Andy and I are at the middle of our tether or a little bit past it, but Aaron, you're clocking in somewhere around 25 years of age. Am I right? You're, you hit it spot on. Good. So, you know, there's a really interesting, in some ways, bifurcation of viewpoints here. I don't want you to necessarily go there strong to the hoop unless you want to, but a lot of younger people in my life, and I've got a few in my household, are like, this isn't that big a deal. What are your thoughts? I think it is a pretty big deal. I mean, it's not every day that you you see a global pandemic and the effect that it will have on lots of individuals, lots of companies, industries, countries, um, it's it's going to change the way that a lot of industries function. So I do think that it is a big deal. Um, but I would say from an investing standpoint, yeah, this is, it should be a relatively short-term event. And hopefully, if you're my age or even older, that you still are thinking in terms of decades. And, you know, if I put my investor hat on, um, if anything, the, what's going on right now is a reminder that black swan events, events that are unpredictable, have a massive impact. Um, those do happen. And it's a reminder to be somewhat cautious of businesses that are fragile in some way, um, because events like this can affect businesses who are not properly prepared. 
Um, but in terms of looking for opportunities, I think now is a time to not even just be thinking about lower prices, but to recognize that events like this pull forward the future in certain instances. And there are companies out there that not only benefit from the disorder like Zoom or Teladoc, um, when people are seeking doctors remotely or trying to work remotely, um, but there are companies that are building a future that no virus can ultimately stop. And the, the longer your time horizon is, I think the, the more clear you can see the, the sunlight coming through on the other side of today's storms. Well, thank you very much for that, Aaron. And, and I, I agree. I think that it'll be interesting to look back from the future to these days. I hope and suspect it'll be a shorter term phenomenon than most people think right now. But that's not much solace for many of us living uh, day to day, hunkered down in our various ways and contexts, uh, whether it's in the United States or in some other countries in the world that are far more hunkered down at this point. But it's a it, it is a time that is historic and certainly the stock market and its gyrations setting all time records in some cases in the last week and a half, something that I would never have predicted. Uh, but that's why we don't spend much time trying to time the market. Um, before we get started with the game, gentlemen, I'm wondering, Next week is mailbag for this podcast. As you know, it's the final Wednesday. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of interesting questions. Would you both be willing to come back next week and just hear some of those questions and speak to them? Sure. We'd be happy to. Absolutely. Great. So it's fun and games this week. And then it'll be interesting to, even to see where the world is next week as we take your questions. Our email address is rbi at fool.com. You can also always tweet us at rbi podcast on Twitter. All right. I'm about to give the rules of the game, but I'll just mention that a lot of us are out there speaking about the markets and Chris Hill and I did a YouTube live video last week that's gotten a lot of views. If you're looking for how to invest in bear market and you're not already tired of hearing from me about 45 minutes every week, anyway, there's a half an hour video that you might enjoy if you just Google investing in bear market Motley Fool on YouTube. So a lot of efforts, both for our paid premium members, uh, those nearest and dearest to our heart, and of course, the many people who listen for free or are just getting started investing. The Motley Fool is there for you. We're playing the same game that you are, the only game that counts, the long term. There's a second game, though, and that's the Market Cap Game Show. And it's even a game that's willing to change the rules from time to time. Any any good game should. And Aaron, you kind of broke our game a few episodes ago, so longtime listeners will know we changed our format, and I liked what we did three months ago. So the format, just to recapitulate here, is I'm going to ask either Andy or Aaron about a stock. We'll talk about the stock briefly. I will then ask the point blank question, what is the market cap of this company? What is the valuation? Market cap, of course, if you take all the shares of any company and you multiply it by the price per share of that company, you kind of get the full value of that company. We're ignoring debt and enterprise value for these purposes. It's the market cap and we've made a whole game show around it. And so that's the game we're playing. I ask Andy or Aaron, what's the market cap? And then the other guy, an easier job, simply says, I think it's higher or I think it's lower. And while you might think this game is about these two gentlemen and their viewpoints on the market and their expertise, it's just as much about you listening at home. So over the course of our time together, there are 10 stocks. The maximum score you could have playing at home is, of course, 10. We'll see which of our talented contestants ends up with a higher score. At the end, we'll give the key money hashtags that you can use after having played the game with us, especially if you rocked the game and our contestants. Well, I think without further ado, we should probably get started. Aaron, Andy, any thoughts or questions ahead of time, or shall we just go right in? No questions for me. I think it, this is going to be the toughest one yet, though, just given how, how crazy prices have been moving around. So I'm ready. 
It's, it's definitely going to be my toughest just looking across at Aaron and thinking about the talent there. So uh, um, and it's, it's also, um, yeah, so, uh, but, but I'm ready. Let's, let's jump right in and go for it. And I should mention as a public service announcement, this is the very first podcast we've ever done for Rule Breaker Investing remotely. Um, it's, it's self-evident to us, but it's, it wouldn't have been evident to you, our listener, until right now. But I wanted to let you know that these gentlemen are operating from their own respective abodes, as am I, as is Rick, our producer. And we found a way to do this with, with headphones and some pretty good technology. I hope the audio is near as good as it normally would be. If it is, I'm starting to wonder whether we should just always be doing this in our pajamas, guys. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, it puts me in mind of a New Yorker cartoon that got fired around on Twitter this week. I love this one. It shows a, a frustrated, I'm going to say middle-aged man sitting at his laptop in his pajamas, presumably in his house, because the caption is, my God, dot, dot, dot. Those meetings really could all have been emails. So, <laughs> <laughs> sign of the times. All right, let's get into it. Stock number one. And Andy, you you won the coin flip. You get to call the first number. Now, stock number one, I was looking up and down the universe of stocks that I oversee here at The Fool and have done, have built up over the course of about 20 years. It's about 240 different stocks under active, mostly active recommendation in good times and bad. And the one that had the worst day on the worst market day in more than 30 years is this company. The ticker symbol is P-L-A-Y. Dave and Busters is not having a good time in this market. Andy, have you ever been to a Dave and Busters? I've only been to a Dave and Busters once. And um, I just remember getting back into my car and pretty much taking all the Purell that I had in my car and just lathering my hands <laughs> with it. And this was before the current uh, crisis with the coronavirus and COVID-19. So uh, so I've only been there once. It, it actually was a, a lot of fun for, for a birthday party. Wow. Well, maybe that was that, that did show extra foresight on your part. Now, we want to make it clear, um, it's, it's really sad what's happening to Dave & Buster's. This is a company that's been a pretty good performer over the course of a couple of decades, a business that's provided a lot of entertainment for people. But wow, when the smoke cleared at the close of Monday's 12.99% decline in the market overall, Dave & Buster's was down 46%. This is an active rule breaker. This one took it in the chops along with so many other stocks. And of course, while we are recording on Tuesday where the market's bouncing back some, who knows where it'll be by Friday or three Tuesdays from now. All right, Andy Cross, what is the market cap of Dave & Buster's, ticker symbol P-L-A-Y? I think the market cap of Dave & Buster's is $550 million. Aaron, higher? Or lower? That's tough. I'm going to go. I'm going to go lower. And Aaron, you have it. In fact, the market cap would have been about 550 million, Andy, just a couple of days ago. But as of recording this Tuesday afternoon, again 2:45 p.m. Eastern time, we're stamping out all our prices. 220 million dollars of market wow. cap, which puts Dave and Buster's in a micro cap situation. I think a lot of us are familiar with Dave & Buster's, whether or not we've been there or used Purell after it, Andy Cross. But it does really call into question at this stage in, in, in time, uh, a company like Dave & Buster's, and there are a lot of other retail establishments. There are a lot of other restaurants. And Dave & Buster's is, of course, both a restaurant and a game arcade in a sense. But we look at these market caps, Aaron, and I'm wondering 
you know, does Dave and Buster's make it out of this era? I think the first question to really ask is just what does their balance sheet look like? The question really isn't can they thrive, but can they survive? So looking up after the fact, um, it looks like their enterprise value, which adds back their debt and subtracts their cash, is nearly $2.1 billion. Um, so they carry significant, and that, that'll be a mix of operating leases and long-term debt that are pushing that that number up. So I think Dave & Buster's if this virus situation lasts a longer time, is in a pretty tough spot. Well, certainly, Andy, the market is saying so, having cut the stock in half in a single day and driving it down to microcap valuation. Clearly, David, and I think when you think about the lack of foot traffic now and all the ways that Dave & Buster's can uh, generate revenue, um, that, that's going to have an impact to their ability to pay off their, uh, their debt expenses, their operating lease expenses, their rent. And so investors might be looking at this and saying, wow, Dave & Buster's, unfortunately, is in a very, very difficult spot right now. My hope is that some of those operating agreements, those lease agreements, just commercial real estate in general, I hope will be more forgiving. There might be a pause. I can imagine um, in the end, um, everybody wants to get paid back and made whole. And I think there's going to be some more forgiveness and compassion around uh, these months, but we'll have to see. Certainly, Dave & Buster's priced as if it looks like it's going to fail. It could be a heck of a buy right now. All right. That was stock number one. Let's go to stock number two. And Aaron, you are in the batter's box for this one. I figured after looking at a stock that did about as bad as any other stock I've seen this week on, is it fair to call it Black Monday? I feel like we're overusing that at this point. But uh, I wanted to go to one that's a real bulwark, and it's certainly one of the best-known companies in the world, and that is Apple. Apple, of course, has dropped, like most companies over the last month, fairly steadily, and yet not nearly as much as many others. Certainly, the financial strength, since you gentlemen were just talking about the balance sheet, you think about how much cash Apple is sitting on top of, a lot more than the GDPs of many other countries in the world today. That's how big, stable, and successful Apple is. Aaron Bush, what is the market cap of Apple? I'm going to guess it's right around 1.1 trillion. Andy, higher or lower? David, I'll say higher. And Andy gets one back. The score is one to one. Aaron made an outstanding estimation. I suspect Aaron, who's pretty good at thinking through, sometimes memorizing market caps. I know in this environment, it's not easy to do that, Aaron, but you had a good sense of Apple because its market cap is 1.1 Seven six mm. trillion dollars. So you you were only off by seventy six billion. And while that's more than the market cap of most stocks on the market for Apple, it's not far from a rounding error. Aaron, I know the shift in our rules for the game hurts you a little bit because you made a great call there. But Andy had it right. It is higher. Well done. Very much, Aaron. Does Apple have a place in your life? Are you somewhere within Apple's ecosystem as a customer? We are recording this right now, or I'm recording this right now on my my Mac laptop, and I'm using my headphones. I got AirPods. I have an iPhone. I have an iPad. I'm I'm all Appled out. You know, Andy, the company's really distinguished itself. As massive as it is, the number of products it actually sells aren't that many compared to anything like, let's say, Amazon or Walmart. It's that focus and it's that ecosystem. Once you get your iPhone, you want to get maybe an Apple Watch, maybe you have an iMac, it goes on like that, and then services these days as well. 
Well, services is north of 20% of their total revenue now, and their wearables business is growing, and really focus on, on providing a limited number of products that they have some pricing ability to be able to raise those prices because of the quality. And then, David, as you mentioned, hook them into the system that allows um, all consumers to benefit from cloud and from um, other services like um, streaming and music and gaming now that uh, they didn't have just a few years ago. All right, stock number three, and I turn back to Andy Cross. Andy, the stocks we're going to be talking about this week, including the ones we just did, most of them are well down from where they were a year ago. This particular company is actually a little bit higher than where it was one year ago. It's also a large cap company. I hope that's not a spoiler. So Gilead Sciences, ticker symbol G-I-L-D, is frequently mentioned as a company that potentially could help us through the coronavirus. Now, it has its own drug, Remdesivir, which it has been working on towards specifically coronaviruses for years now. It's being tested, of course, on an experimental basis right now out there in the field. It's something that the CEO of Gilead is obviously understandably bullish about. This is a company that is, by the way, down from where it was four years ago. Ironically, Gilead Sciences, which kind of helped cure hepatitis C, started getting dinged for that because once you cure people, you can't keep selling them the drug that cured them. That was a one-off sale, and that was really the tail that wagged the big dog of Gilead in recent years. But here it is, this company coming back in the headlines, Andy, increasingly relevant today because of Remdesivir. It'll be interesting to watch that. Andy Cross, the ticker symbol is G-I-L-D, Gilead Sciences. What's the market cap? David, the market cap of Gilead Sciences is $53 billion. Aaron, higher or lower? I'm going to guess higher. And it is quite a bit higher. It reminds me, by the way, that I'm glad I don't play this game. I like playing Alex Trebek because I'm always right, just like Alex Trebek is always, sounds like the smart guy. So uh, it is higher. It's actually quite a bit higher. As of this recording, the market cap of Gilead is right at $94 billion. So it's a company that if you look at the last few weeks of its stock chart, you'll see it's kind of doing pretty well in expectation or hope that it might be part of the solution. Now, I realize, Andy, it can be frustrating to feel like you were a little bit less than half, but it also suggests to me, Andy, that maybe you don't want to buy Gilead because it's worth twice as much as you thought it was. If it was the opposite, you'd probably want to be a strong bull right now on Gilead. Oh, that's probably true, David, but there aren't there aren't a lot many companies that are that are near the $100 billion mark in market cap in, in the world and in the U.S., so that's just why I thought Gilead was a little bit smaller. I mean, 50 Three billion that I guess that's still a very large company. You mentioned large gap, so I thought I was I was pretty okay there, but clearly not. Yeah, and you were closer than Aaron was on his trillion dollar <laughs> Apple guess, right? He missed by like seventy billion. So, all right, stock number four. Aaron, do you have a pet? I do. I have a dog. So, is your dog hunkered down and in in lockdown mode with you as well? He is. He keeps on walking back and forth behind me as we record, trying to figure out who I'm talking to. <laughs> well, of course, understandably, our hearts and our minds are largely set on our own race, trying to save each other as fellow humans, which I think is the right priority. But a lot of us have an important secondary priority, at least, and that's our pets. And so I'm thinking a little bit about all of our furry friends with stock number four. Now, IDEX Laboratories has been a spectacular long-term performer for Motley Fool Stock Advisor members. 
The ticker symbol is IDXX. And yeah, IDX Labs, spoiler alert, is down with most of the rest of the market, of course, over the last month. So if we covered this one, which we probably did a few shows ago, the market cap is significantly lower right now. I'm going to turn to Aaron. Aaron, what is the market cap of IDEX Laboratories, one of the leading veterinary suppliers of diagnostics and other support for our furry friends? I'm going to guess $20 billion. All right, Andy. Higher or lower? I'm going to guess lower, David. And that evens up the scorecard once again. Aaron, two. Andy, two. Aaron was awfully close with his guess. Let's be clear on that because the market cap of IDEX Labs, Aaron, you said $20 billion, is $19.5 billion. So a a $500 million miss, which in most contexts would be a massive miss. In this one, it's rather small, and yet that's why we play the game. So Andy, well done. (laughs) IDEX tipping in just a little lower than $20 billion, two to two. Andy, do you have pets? Yeah, David, we have a dog, Posey, who's about seven years old, golden retriever. That is awesome. Well, Posey's probably happy because you just tied Aaron, which is not a very easy thing to do in the market cap game show. Four down, six to go. My dog, Donut, is looking at me with such disappointment right now. (laughs) That's all I have to say. (laughs) All right, four down, six to go. But first... This episode of Rule Breaker Investing is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. Molecule's technology has been personally effective and verified by science, but most importantly, it's been tested by real people. Molecule's given allergy and asthma sufferers around the country an all-new experience. Breakthrough Pico, P-E-C-O, Pico technology across a range of products provides a solution for the entire home when it comes to air purification. No matter the size of your room, you can choose the option that's best for your space, whether it be the Molecule Air for large rooms or the Molecule Air Mini for smaller rooms. Molecule's introduced a breakthrough science that's finally capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecular level. Outdated HEPA filters collect larger pollutants, but smaller things like mold, viruses, bacteria, and volatile organic chemicals slip right through, all of which are a big deal in the world today. One customer said that after using Molecule in her home, she was able to breathe through her nose for the first time in 15 years. I have a Molecule in my house myself, and for 10% off your first air purifier, visit molekule.com, enter the promo code FOOL10 at checkout. That's molekule.com, promo code FOOL10. All right, stock number five, I turn back to Andy Cross. Andy, if you're like me, you're getting a fair amount of stuff, as long as anybody's going to do it, delivered to your doorstep these days. Is that true of you as well? It is true, yes. Uh, Amazon shows up almost every day now. Amazon has been a powerful bulwark for many of us, and I trust and hope it will remain so. But before that product can get to you, it needs to get shipped. And this company, Old Dominion Freight Lines, is one of the leading truckers now Old Dominion Freight Lines, which is a Virginia-based company, is a less-than-truckload company that's distinguished itself over the years through its logistics. Because less-than-truckload, that means that you're not filling up the cab of the truck with just one thing, like widgets. 
you're actually filling it up with a bunch of different things and going different directions. It's a more complex business to run, and ODFL has run it very well. Now, the stock market has sold this stock off like most others, but in a world where trucks are still moving around and doing important things in this world, I'd say I like ODFL in this environment. Again, the ticker symbol is ODFL. Andy Cross, what is the market cap of Old Dominion Freight Lines? David, I think the market cap of ODFL is $6.5 billion. Aaron, is it higher or lower? I think it's a bit higher than that. And indeed it is. In fact, Old Dominion Freight Lines is clocking in at $13.8 billion. We'll just call that 14 as we go. So, Andy... You came in lower again. I'm starting maybe to see some pattern recognition here. Maybe maybe you think the stock market's worse than it's actually been. Well, maybe I <laughs> my pattern recognition isn't so good isn't so good, I guess, is what I'm thinking. Yes, I, I feel like I'm I'm guessing what market caps were about a month and a half ago. So while while I'm not looking at Motley Fool's stock advisor right now where ODFL has been a stellar performer, I suspect the market cap was somewhere around there. When we first found it, and even after a pretty bad sell-off, the stock down from about 225 to 175 in just a matter of weeks. So that's you know about a 20% drop or so. Um, still, it's done really well over the only term that counts the long term. And certainly, we like this stock going forward. Before we move on to stock number six, I should mention, Aaron, as a former analyst of my team, you spent, in some ways, every day looking over the market caps of these companies, whereas we're welcoming in Andy as our guest star this time. He's following thousands of companies, not just the ones that we at Rule Breakers might maybe might know extra well. Aaron, I feel like you might have a little advantage, and darn it, I hope you'll press that through for a victory. I hope so. I, I hope mean, so. It's, it, it's it's very close right now, though, so I'm getting worried. His advantage, it, his advantage is just an in pure intelligence, David. Pure intelligence. <laughs> that's his advantage. <laughs> but one of many right. of his advantages, I should say. <laughs> All right, let's move to stock number six. Stock number six, Aaron Bush, is a Canadian company, a company that was a universally well-recognized brand name, one of the most successful companies in Canadian history before the iPhone showed up. And all of a sudden, BlackBerry, ticker symbol BB, had to shift its business. Now, it certainly was caught, I'd say, pants down a little bit by the iPhone. And the company had such a big corporate clientele. And so for years, it could kind of still serve up emails to people like brokers or, I don't know, corporate executives who are still using their Blackberries, and even in, let's say, 2012, 13. But these days, the iPhone has taken over the corporate market as much as any other market. And BlackBerry has shifted its business to cybersecurity. So it remains a software company, but a much beaten down one. And boy, this stock has sold off in recent weeks. Aaron Bush and, of course, all of our fellow fools playing at home. What is the market cap of BlackBerry? I really have absolutely no idea, but I'm going well, that, to that's guess. A re- that, that's a refreshing thing for you to say, <laughs> especially if I'm Andy. I have no idea, uh, but I'm going to guess $1.5 billion. Andy? David, I never owned a BlackBerry, so I think I'm um, maybe not the best to, to answer this question, but I'm actually going to guess lower than, than Aaron. Now we have a degree of separation because for the first time, Aaron, you got this one right as well, taking a 4-2 to two lead. Now you're both pretty close. The market cap of BlackBerry is $2.1 billion, but oh boy, has this been a bad stock pick. For me, I picked it as kind of a turnaround pick. In July of 2018, thinking Canada would rally behind this company, and I liked 
the direction it had at the time. It was trading around 10 and a half. Today, it's right about $3 a share. So it's a company that has just nosedived. And certainly, even within the last few weeks, it really has accelerated its down pacing. So we're seeing a once proud Canadian giant down at a $2.1 billion market cap. Does either of you have positive feelings or want to give some good karma to BlackBerry? Just a clarifying point. We are talking U.S. dollars here, right, David? So I don't want Aaron to get the advantage of having the Canadian dollar work for him. <laughs> These are U.S. dollars. I'm just reading it right off the New York Stock Exchange tape. Honestly, I think it's impressive that BlackBerry is still able to have a $2 billion mostly software business, given the fact that they weren't able to turn their phone business around. Even though it has been a dog in some ways since it's been on your scorecard, um, I think it still is somewhat impressive from a leadership standpoint to be able to still have a multi-billion dollar business, especially in this climate with a business that's just entirely different from what it used to be. All right. So Aaron Bush for Andy Cross 2. We move to stock number seven. This company is based in Nashville, Tennessee. And even though I have a son who goes to Vanderbilt these days, I didn't realize that HCA Healthcare, ticker symbol HCA, is a Nashville-based company. Certainly, Healthcare is a big thing in the city of Nashville, Tennessee. It was founded by Thomas Frist, Dr. Thomas Frist. His son these days is U.S. Senator from Tennessee. It shows the power of entrepreneurs starting something big and then future generations of the family in part benefiting from that. But Andy and Aaron, I was thinking in particular about this company just because of hospitals. And there's the, that worry that we're all going to get sick at once and overburden our hospitals. And a company like HCA Healthcare, which has been a long-term player, a very successful company, a good stock for Motley Fool Stock Advisor members would be under fire in that kind of a situation. In fact, I was just Googling Andy Cross and I see, well, this is as of a Washington Post article a few days ago, the United States has an estimated 924,000-ish hospital beds. Many of them are already being used. So it's, it's a very important and urgent matter. Talk about flattening the curve. Even if a lot of us do end up getting coronavirus, try to get it as late as you can. All of those are key factors. Uh, again, not just for HCA Healthcare, but but for all of us. And I don't know, fun fact, Andy, does this help you out at all in the game? We'll see. The company was ranked number 67 in the 2019 Fortune 500 list of the largest U.S. companies by total revenue, although you'll notice I'm not giving you the revenue figure. Andy Cross, what is the market cap of HCA Healthcare, ticker symbol HCA? David, I'm going to say, I don't really know. I'm going to say $42 billion. And in this regard, Andy, you are like everybody listening. Most of us don't spend a lot of time trying to learn the market caps of all of our companies. I want to mention, this might be a slight spoiler for Aaron, who doesn't need them. That was a pretty darn good guess, so, so closer. But the reason we play this game is to help all of us understand relative sizing and see how this company compares to that one. For example, I find it very interesting that a company like Gilead Sciences is worth about $100 billion, while Apple is worth about 11 times that. And IDEX Labs, a really important company in the veterinary business, is worth about one-fifth that. So yeah, that's why we play the game. Okay. So Andy said $42 billion. Aaron Bush, higher or lower? Lower. And sure enough, Aaron has it right. Aaron takes the lead five to two. The market cap of HCA Healthcare is 30 $2 billion, 31.7 for those scoring at home. And by the way, I hope you are scoring at home. And right now, if you have five or more, 
then you're beating Aaron, which is pretty impressive. We'll talk about the hashtag at the end this week. But guys, let's keep moving. But first, when it comes to hiring, you don't have time to waste. You need help getting to your short list of qualified candidates fast. That's why you need Indeed.com. Post a job in minutes, set up screener questions, and then zero in on qualified candidates using an intuitive online dashboard. And when you need to hire fast, accelerate your results with sponsored jobs. New users can try for free at Indeed.com slash Motley. That's Indeed.com slash Motley. Terms, conditions, and quality standards apply. Offer valid through June 30th, 2020. Post your job today at Indeed.com slash Motley and get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. Indeed.com slash Motley. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Offer valid through March 31, 2020. All right, stock number eight. This is a return performer for the Market Cap Game Show, but of course, all bets are off. All numbers have changed, although that doesn't seem to be slowing you down too much, Aaron. I'm aiming this one at you, stock number eight. Now, I'm sure people aren't using Tinder quite as much as they did a month or six ago, and I do trust, though, I bet you do too, Aaron, that people will Resume using Tinder, whether it's three, nine, or 12 months from now. But for the time being, Match Group does not look particularly well positioned in this present market environment. Yeah, I think that's that's totally spot on. I think that they will continue to struggle for the for the next few months. And also, just to kind of top put on top of that, they're also going through a spinoff procedure right now, where the parent company IAC, which um, owns 80% or so of the, the company is, is going to spend its, its portion off. And as part of that, uh, Match is going to be taking on some debt to, to pay special dividends out to shareholders. So I think that was weighing down Match a little bit. And what's going on right now is weighing them down even more. So it's definitely a tough time to be matched. But I agree that the, the better times, I think, will come back. In as recently as mid-January of this year, Aaron and Andy, the stock was pretty much right at or near all-time highs. So it's no longer mid-January. It's now mid-March. Very different environment. Aaron Bush, what is the market cap, ticker symbol MTCH, of Match Group? I'm going to guess the market cap is $15 billion. Andy, higher or lower? David, I'm going to take the lower side of $15 billion. Wow. Well, it was pretty close. I mean, Aaron made another great guess. The market cap of Match Group is $16.8 billion, as we printed that price on its timestamp earlier today. Again, by the time our listeners hear this podcast, who knows where the Match Group market cap will be, but that's why we still play the game. Aaron, you're now up 6-2, to two, so pretty good guess. Andy, you were just about at $1.8 billion off. It was just the other way. Yeah, I thought it was down closer to the, to the $10, $12 billion range. So clearly, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a match user. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it, shows, it shows my guessing, maybe, of the market caps. Yes, and, and nor am I. But we have been match investors and very well rewarded over time. Although it's worth noting the stock Again, in mid-January, hitting highs around 92. Today, it's right around 57. So you can see it's down $35 a share. It's down about 40% in just two months. All right, now with the score 6-2, to two, Andy, I don't think it's mathematically possible for you to win this episode of the Market Cap Game Show, but it is possible for you to get better. Are you ready to get better? 
I just look at, I mean, I just need a little respect to, to, to earn some of a, a I just feel like I'm losing it for listeners, for, for you and for Aaron. I, I, I'm just, I'm just holding out hope here, David, holding out hope. <laughs> All right. Well, a lot of people are holding out hope that they won't have to pay their taxes on time as they have in previous years. And in fact, we've heard from the IRS that there's going to be some forgiveness. In fact, I hear my producer, Rick Engdahl, talking in my ear saying it looks like about a 90 day delay that will be welcomed by many of us. And certainly tax is not top of mind for me personally, but I'm not sure they ever really are. I do think it's always been good Motley Fool investing advice, Andy, that tax considerations should really be secondary or tertiary for most of us when we're trying to manage our portfolios and grow them over the course of time. I know I myself sometimes have been loath to sell something because I just didn't want to pay the taxes on it. But Andy, that's not often the best way to think about things. In general, I would say David is not. I mean, in fact, tax deferred investing is one of the best benefits of long-term investing, even with the low capital gains tax rate. If you have money in a taxable account, those those tax payments can add up to hurting your returns long-term. So one of the benefits of long-term investing is are, are ringing up those tax deferred compounding gains. So this next company, company number nine, Andy, is a company that I first got to know through its Quicken software back in the days when people sold software in stores over the shelf and then into it. The maker of Quicken would hope that you would upgrade from one year to the next. And enough people did upgrade their Quicken and then later QuickBooks over time that it built a pretty substantial business. The company acquired TurboTax decade plus ago, a couple of decades ago now, and has been managing a franchise, helping its customers manage their money and pay their taxes. And so Intuit these days, a very substantial company. I feel like a broken record. Stock's substantially down from where it was just a month or two ago. The only other thing that I'd add about uh, Intuit is that they're currently going through the process of acquiring Credit Karma, uh, which I believe is going down as the biggest, if not one of the biggest uh, fintech acquisitions of all time. Credit Karma, they provide credit scores and, and other information to individuals in exchange for their their data. So um, I don't know too much about that business specifically, but I know that it's a very big deal and it's becoming a very big deal for Intuit. Well, thank you, Aaron. Thank you for reminding me of that. Yeah, that announcement less than a month ago. So this is just a few weeks ago, but with all that's been happening in the market, it's almost been forgotten and nearly by me if you hadn't mentioned that, Aaron. But yes, I'll put a number out there. Maybe this helps my players. On February 24th, Intuit confirmed it was buying Credit Karma for $7.1 billion. So there's a number for you, Andy Cross. And the reason I'm talking to you, Andy, is because I'm about to ask you the question. You ready? I'm ready, David. All right, Andy, what is the market cap of Intuit, ticker symbol I-N-T-U? Uh, I think it's $56 billion. Aaron, higher or lower? Oh, that's tough. I'm going to go higher, just a little bit higher. And sure enough, Aaron has nailed it once again after a pretty good guess by Andy Cross. Andy, the market cap of Intuit is $64 billion, 63.9 technically. You did say a number a little bit lower than that, within about the 20% range that we used to play this game with. But these days, it's just about higher or lower. And so, Aaron, you just put up a seventh point on the scoreboard. All right, I'll take it. Aaron, let me ask you just point blank. Are you as good at paying your taxes as you are at the Market Cap Game Show? So far, so good. I don't think I've screwed anything up yet <laughs> on the tax front. Uh, do you use any Intuit products? I, I do normally use TurboTax, yes. Nice. 
Yeah, and of course, Intuit also owns Mint. Talk about being an acquisitive, although not really a growth by acquisition company, but nevertheless making some key acquisitions over the years. You know, Aaron, if you had to pay taxes and all your winnings from today, I think you might uh, go bankrupt. <laughs> so uh, sorry to have contributed to your, um, to your market cap game tax bill. That's okay. I'm making sure that your tax bill stays low, Andy. So you're welcome. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. And I, I'm kind of wondering whether Aaron should be allowed to defer some of his points to next episode, because with a 7-2 lead, you don't need some of those points, Aaron. But you might be confused because you might think you're playing against Andy, but you're, you're not. You're playing against tens of thousands of listeners. And I know at least somebody probably has a score of seven or higher right now. I think it's appropriate to mention before we go to stock number 10, if you found yourself at home excelling at the game this week, the hashtag on Twitter would be, of course, hashtag I beat Aaron. If you're not doing as well as Aaron, but you're still doing as well as Andy or better, it could be hashtag I beat Andy. Or you could rock my hashtag, which is hashtag I love to play Alex Trebek. Thank you both for your efforts on behalf of our listeners this week. Let's go to stock number 10. Aaron, stock number 10 is a company you and I have discussed before. I don't know if Andy is as much of a video gamer. Andy, are you a video gamer? I am not, David. Have you ever been a video gamer? Uh, Atari days, but since then it's been, and maybe in uh, college played a little bit of, uh, you know, Madden, but other than that, very, very little video gaming. And I think about somebody like you and as productive as you've been in life, and I think about all the hours I could have used to be more productive, but instead I was playing video games. I, I like to think on my deathbed, I won't express regret that I spent so many hours playing not just video games, board and card games. For some of us, it's it's an approach to life, but I always do admire the people who don't even bother with that. Or how about all the hours I've spent watching sports, which I know you've done some more of that, Andy. Yeah, clearly, I maybe more video game playing would help me in my market cap game calling because I am I'm leaving a lot to be desired. Yeah, and on a sadder note, of course, it's really March sadness this year. It's it's a real bummer. I know, Andy, you're a graduate of the University of Michigan. Michigan had a good basketball team this year. We can't watch them play in March. Yeah, that is sad, um, but, but the right call in these circumstances, David. True that. But back to video games. Now, this company had some exciting announcements today. One of my favorite games is Hearthstone. I spend a lot of hours playing the digital collectible card game that Blizzard, Activision Blizzard, more to the point, ticker symbol ATVI, has brought into the world the last five years or so. Hearthstone with some exciting announcements about its future, a new year with new seasons, new cards. If you're a Hearthstone geek, and I'm going to guess something like 7.5% of my listeners are Hearthstone geeks. That means most of you probably don't really care, so I won't talk much more about it other than it's nice to be reminded during challenging economic times that some businesses, while I won't say thrive, some are much more defensible in this environment. And when you can deliver your products through the air or through the internet to people, and those products give people fun, sometimes needed escapism, satisfaction, sometimes shared fun with friends and families, that's a pretty darn good business to be invested in. Activision Blizzard has been a wonderful stock to be invested in, one of our best performers historically for Motley Fool members. Aaron, what is the most recent Activision Blizzard property that you have sampled as a customer? Uh, probably Call of Duty, and I downloaded Call of Duty Warzone um, the other night. I haven't yet played it, but but fun fact about this one, Call of Duty Warzone, their Battle Royale um, game for the year, became the fastest-growing um, non-mobile title ever. They reached 15 million players 
um, in only three days, which beats other games like Apex Legends and Fortnite um, from 2019 and, and 2018. So, so Activision is weathering the storm pretty well, I think. Really impressive. You don't always have to be first mover. Um, I think about PUBG. Uh, for people who know that game, that was kind of the first Battle Royale, but it seems like Fortnite came on its heels awfully quickly and exploded in popularity. And then Apex Legends, as you mentioned, Aaron comes along. But then here comes Activision Blizzard a year or two later with its version. I haven't played Warzone yet. Sounds like you haven't yet either. Nope, not yet. Probably in the next couple of days. But 15 million of us already have after just a few days. It's a it's a reminder of the power of brands uh, because, of course, it's you have a great advantage when you're Activision and you could just take your Call of Duty franchise built out over a couple of decades and say, oh, by the way, here's our Fortnite take through Call of Duty. So to close the Market Cap Game Show this week, Aaron, what is the market cap of Activision Blizzard? I feel pretty good about this one, so I'm going to guess $40 billion. Andy, higher or lower? I'm going to say higher than $40 billion, David. Sometimes you don't even have to play the video games to still win the game, or at least win this question in the game. Andy, a really nice way to close it out. The market cap for Activision Blizzard is $44.1 billion as of our timestamp today. Aaron, off only about 10%. But that was all it took. You know, sometimes people, Andy, say you're only as good as your last swing or game or whatever. Maybe you're only as good as your last question going out a winner. Yeah, I feel this. This was this was uh, this was a battle. This is my own battle royal against Aaron here. But I feel like I saved some. Maybe hit a little three pointer at the end, like just to kind of walk away. Made that last that last putt on eighteen that kept me coming back. So hopefully, I earned a little bit of of respect enough to be invited to come back and and try uh, to challenge a little bit better next time. Thank you very much, Andy. You've been on the show many times before, and that will happen many times in future, including, I hope, next week. Because as I talked about, guys, at the start, we're going to be doing our Rule Breaker Investing mailbag here in March of 2020, which should be an interesting one. And I look forward to you both joining in next week. All right. There you have it. The 11th episode of the Market Cap Game Show. Aaron wins this one 7-3. to three. This is an historic episode of this game because the stock market has never been more volatile. We've never seen such a fast drop. And to even think that from one day to the next, we can't really even know what the market caps are. What's the shelf life of this podcast? The question might be, I think it might be longer than we think, because I think we'll look back on this one and remember how the market was that week that Aaron Bush and Andy Cross were brave enough to step into the arena and play the market cap game show with all of us. Guys, thank you very much. Thank you, David. This is fun. Thanks, David. Aaron, well done. Well, it was fun and games this week, and it was stiff upper lip and just keep doing what we do, which I like to do from time to time. Certainly last week's podcast for a lot of people who are wanting to hear more seriously about where the market is and any feelings I have about it. Thoughts on our world in 10 and a half chapters. I hope you'll enjoy that. But I think it was helpful to get back to having a little bit of fun, some levity. I think before too long, things are going to start to get better. Do remember the stock market typically starts to trade up in advance of what might come yet. So at a certain point, we might see the stock market end this drop and start to rise ahead of when people might think it does. That at least accords with my own experience watching the stock market over the years. But neither Andy nor Aaron nor I has any real sense of what's going to happen in the next few weeks, either for the market or the world at large. But that's why, for me anyway, it makes a lot of sense just to keep my money right where it is and play, as I often say, the only game that counts, which is the long term game.
Thanks a lot for joining with us this week. We will talk to you next week. It's Rule Breaker Investing Mailbag. Full on. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. And The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.